Breaking news in the college football world. Earth-shattering kind of news. Paul Feinbaum himself, the self-appointed god of college football, the, the ego stroker of Nick Saban at the SEC, he has officially declared that if Michigan were to win a national championship this year, he would refuse to acknowledge it. Out of his moral superiority and the ivory tower that he sits in, he would refuse to acknowledge a Michigan national championship. I mean, finally. We've been waiting for him to talk about this. He's just been so quiet about it lately. Uh, so we have word. What what do we think about the glorious, the great, the gracious Paul Feinbaum's statement? Is this the same refusal that Hare took to the top of his head? He said, "He said, leave the sides." Uh, if if you catch me caring about what Paul Feinbaum has to say, please find a Colt forty-five, dig a deep hole, put me in there. I think I think the more important question is what's the best side for Thanksgiving? Stuffing. You're eating Thanksgiving. What's the best See, stuffing? My wife would say the exact same thing. My it, wife would say stuffing for sure. I must be your wife. It's, it's stuffing 100%. For me personally, it's the mashed potatoes. Mm. I love Good mashed potatoes. Love. Yeah, but the thing is, you can you eat mashed potatoes multiple times throughout the year. Like, stuffing is a Thanksgiving exclusive. That is true. But, that is true. But why does it have to be? You know? Because, like, there's there's nobody who ever said that, like, oh, stuffing, you, you can only have it for Thanksgiving. You can buy stuffing year-round. Like, you can get stovetop stuff. Right. I think it's more so I think it's more so because it's like, okay, it's it originated from you stuffed it in the bird and that's where it cooked was in your turkey. And the only time people were making an entire turkey throughout the year was on Thanksgiving. I would make a whole turkey just for some stuffing. I wouldn't even eat the turkey. Absolutely. Honestly, I think if you gave my wife that option, she would too. She would be down if it was I, like if it was like a weekend and we had nothing going on and it was like, hey, do you want to get a turkey and have some stuffing? She'd be like, yeah, she loves stuffing. Do either of you guys like turkey? Like personally, at Thanksgiving, I eat ham. I I don't eat turkey. Do you just want to? Do you just want to kiss now or later? Because I'm the same way. Wow. See, I I feel as though when people say that they don't like Thanksgiving turkey, it's because they've never had a good one. And if you're having like an unbrined, just pop it in the oven and see how it comes out type turkey, probably not going to have the best experience. But you can have delicious, delicious turkey. It is possible. You know, I, it's great. I love it. I, I will like eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not like the, ooh, I'm not going to touch the turkey sort of thing. But if I'm like going up for seconds, I'm usually not going up for the turkey. You know what I mean? I hear you. I definitely do. Now, are you guys cornbread on Thanksgiving families or rolls on Thanksgiving? We normally do rolls, but if I had my say, I'd vote cornbread every time. What I, I'm I'm just again, why why are you making me choose? You put either in front of me, I'm gonna eat it. I agree with you, Corey. Hundred hundred percent. So are I we gonna kiss them bread. too, or is this just a Alex? Why and does I everything think? have to be about kissing? I don't <laughs> anyways. Yeah, anyways. with with that, if you love Thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> if you love Thanksgiving and Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. If you're new here, make sure you like and follow us wherever you're listening and follow us on the socials, Instagram and threads at B1G Banter and on Twitter or X. I should probably just start calling it X now. 
unfortunately. No. Don't. At B1G. You Stick know what? With You're it. right. Stick with it. It's Twitter. I don't care what Elon says. We don't care what Elon. We don't care what Elon, Paul Feinbaum, Tony Petiti. We don't care what none of you say. That's a great take. Follow us on Twitter at B1G Banter Pod. Uh, Corey, say something nice to the listeners. Everybody, Big Ten enthusiasts, uh, Sickos committee members, we've made it to the end of the year. We've made it to the conclusion of the Big Ten, Big Ten West and the Big Ten East. It's over. So I just want to say thank you for sticking around for this wild and crazy ride. And enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving from the fellas and myself. And enjoy the best week of college football this year. So we would be looking at, we would already know the Big Ten championship game this year. We would already know who was going. It would be Michigan and Ohio State in a rematch. Well, actually, I take that back because they're they're getting rid of the divisions because of the teams that are coming in and Washington is currently undefeated. So it would most likely be Washington against whoever wins the game. So I recant my previous statement. Forget about it. Move on. The divisions are going away. <laughs> yes, they are. So we are on the precipice of, well, we know who the Big West representative is going to be. It's going to be Iowa. We're on the precipice of finding out who the East representative and eventual Big Ten champion is going to be between Michigan and Ohio State. But let's start off with the playoff rankings because we're recording on a Tuesday night and they just released them. So let's take a look. See, this is honestly my first time looking at these. Uh, Where did everybody fall? Iowa is at 17 at nine and two smack dab in the middle of Oregon State and Notre Dame. The next Big Ten team is Penn State at 11. I believe they were at 11 next week or last week. So no change there. And then no change at the top either. Ohio State is at two. Michigan is at three. Um, Really, the biggest change is that Washington jumped Florida State. So here's your top. I'll give your top eight because these are really the eight that are vying for these four spots. You've got Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, Washington at four, Florida State dropped to five, Oregon is at six, Texas is at seven, Alabama is at eight. So eight teams fighting for four spots here um has anything changed from the big 10 perspective i think it has and i'd like to elaborate just a little bit if i could um i think there is a very very good chance that the committee has just shown you that they are not willing to put florida state into the playoff after losing oh my goodness i just i i just had his name in my head and then i lost it jordan i was gonna say travis and then i was like travis isn't his name thank you thank you Corey. um he's a two first name guy yeah i think after losing jordan travis i think the committee is kind of showing you we ain't gonna do it we're not gonna put a team in without their number one player who's played now that we've gotten to see the entire season take place, a relatively soft schedule with their best win now being over LSU and, and they don't, they no longer have their star quarterback. I think the committee is no longer willing to put them in. And I think uh, I'm it, sorry. I, I'm glad you brought this up. Cause I want both of your takes on this. If I want Corey, your opinion on if you agree with Ethan that the committee wants really badly to not put Florida state in, but do either of you think that's the right thing for them to do? Like say, let me throw this scenario out at you. Let's say Georgia remains undefeated wins out. They're in. Let's say Michigan wins out. They're in. Let's say Washington wins out. They're in. Uh, And let's say Texas and Florida state both win out. So you've got an ACC champ, Florida state without Jordan Travis and you've got a one-loss Texas team, and let's say they avenged the Oklahoma loss in the Big 12 championship, and they also have a win over Alabama. 
do you think a one-loss Texas gets in over Florida State, an undefeated Power 5 conference champ? And do you think it's the right thing to do? Um, you can take it, Ethan. You want it? Uh, n- no, that's totally fine. I'll go after you go. Go ahead. Uh, I, the question of is it fair, I don't necessarily think it's fair, but the reason that Florida State dropped and Washington went forward, and I think they were teasing that a little bit before the rankings, was because Washington now has three top 25 ranked wins right now. So I think this jump says more of what Washington has been doing than what Florida State has been doing. But I'm going to take this all the way back to the first installment of the college football playoff. What team went on to win, run the table, win their conference with a backup quarterback? It was Ohio State. It was Ohio Ohio, State. It was Ohio State. So in my mind, if you're going to go with just the, the same train of thought, which very rarely do those things happen, if Florida State somehow manages to stay undefeated, their quarterback plays well enough to beat Florida in Gainesville, by the way. So that's not, ex- I mean, I, we know Florida's not very good, but that's a road, you know, that's a road game in the SEC, say what you want about it. But then they beat a Louisville team that's currently number nine in the country right now. That's a top 10 win with a backup quarterback. And you just, they're, they're at, they're at 10 right now. Louisville is okay. So it's still top 10 win, but then you have now your champion an undefeated champion. And you're going to say to a Texas team, albeit they have the best win in the country, a 10-point win in Tuscaloosa, you're going to say to a team that ran the table, won their conference, and overcame the injury of their starting quarterback and say, nope, you're not going to get in, and you're going to lose your spot to a team with one loss, that's not going to happen. I, I personally think if Florida State somehow manages to win out, win their conference, they will get in over a one-loss team. Unless it's Alabama who beats Georgia, <clears throat> Alabama would get in in that, in that sense. But I think then a Georgia gets bounced. You cannot let that team walk if they've run the table when you've let teams like Cincinnati, who were undefeated uh, to that point, and they weren't even in a Power Five conference, and they got into the college football plan. You can't do it. I do. I do think that the scenario that we have closing out this season is very unique to what we have had in the past, because in the past it's been, who do we put in at that fourth spot? It, it's been really hard to find a team good enough to put in the fourth spot. I think this year you're looking at a very different scenario where it's like, man, there are so many teams vying for that fourth spot. And they're upper echelon teams. They're Alabama. They're Texas. They're Oregon. There's a lot of really, really high-end teams that are vying for that fourth spot. It's not a Cincinnati. It's not a TCU that's going to get in this year. It's not one of those teams. I think with Jordan Travis getting hurt, I think it very much opens the door for an undefeated ACC champ to get left by the wayside when a one-loss Texas avenges their only loss of the season in the Big 12 championship game and has played a far superior schedule with a win over Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa, avenging their only loss of the season, which was to Oklahoma in a game that's the Red River rivalry. And then they they came back and they beat that team. I think that there is a very legitimate chance And I personally think it will happen if you have undefeated Georgia, undefeated Michigan, undefeated Washington. I think Texas leaps in there, and I think Texas makes the playoff as the four seed and leaps in undefeated Florida State. I think Ethan makes a really good point about this year being different than the year that Ohio State made it with Cardale Jones. And also remember, Ohio State made it largely on style points because they were borderline but they beat wisconsin 59 to nothing in the big 10 championship game and people were going into that game saying yeah ohio state's gonna have to put on a show in order to give the committee uh, i think the committee wanted to put them in anyways but to give the committee a legitimate reason to put them in and then also that year, the fifth and sixth teams 
vying for that last spot. Number six was TCU and number five was Baylor. Like Baylor had a good year, but but this year's obviously different. So Yeah, I think I, it's I think it's a culmination of very upper echelon programs vying for that spot. That's my biggest point in all of this is the fact that it's it's not a Cincinnati, it's not a TCU. Those teams, they were looking for ways to not put those teams into the playoff. Nobody else performed well enough to get in ahead of them. See, I agree with that. In the same breath, though, you're not comparing a Texas or an Alabama to a Cincinnati on the flip side of that coin. You're comparing it to another Power 5 conference, albeit if we were to rank the Power 5 conferences right now, the weakest of the Power 5. But still, they are undefeated. In this scenario, they are undefeated. If they lose at any point, they're done. There's no hope for them. But if they if they run the table, they would have done something that only uh, or that only four other t- or three other teams would have done in this scenario. If Georgia goes undefeated, Michigan or the Big Ten champion goes undefeated, and Washington goes undefeated, you you can't you cannot put a one loss team over a no loss Power Five conference opponent. I don't care about the schedule; they are going to give the team that deserves to be there, the right to be there. There's upper echelon teams that are competing because if that were the case, if we were going to put the top four best teams in every year, Alabama would be in every year. But that doesn't happen because they lost a game, you know, in in the middle of the season to Texas. They would have lost a game in this hypothetical scenario to Georgia in the SEC championship game with two losses. Would I personally rather play Florida as a whoever team I am in the playoff, would I rather play an undefeated Florida State team with a backup quarterback as opposed to a two-loss Alabama non-SEC championship team? You better believe I'd rather play the undefeated Florida State team, but that's not what this is about. This is about a team who deserves to be there, and if that team over all of that goes undefeated on a Power 5 schedule, they deserve to be in over a one-loss team. The committee is begging Florida State to lose a game because they are going yes. to have their hands full if they end up with the scenario that we're talking about. Louisville, um, Louisville. First of all, they're only six and a half point favorites. Going, I, uh, are they traveling to Florida? Did you say it's at, it's <clears> at the swamp? Yeah, so they're only six and a half point favorites in that game as of right now, um, which may or may not be a bonus pick, but. Check out, check out this episode because we're doing everything in this episode. So stay tuned, folks. Um, and then they will be, in in my opinion, they're going to be underdogs to Louisville in the ACC championship game. So, Jeff Brom making himself known in the ACC in year gracious. one. I did not expect this from him. And, and neither did I. I mean, we talked so much about. The coaches coming into the Big Ten this year, the biggest acquisition this offseason, coaching-wise, has been Jeff Rom. Is there even an argument to the contrary? I do I do wonder if it's a f- bit of a flash in the pan, like they had a fairly easy schedule this year. Besides, you know, they did upset a Notre Dame and stuff, but I wonder if he can sustain something like this because he didn't really do that at Purdue. That's, um, that schedule but, um, can't be easier than the Big Ten West schedule. Uh, fair enough. True. Fair enough. Okay, so speaking of the Big Ten, those are the playoff rankings. Those are some of the wild scenarios, but let's get back to the Big Ten. Um, we have some news. So David Braun, I, correct me if that's not his name. Come on, you guys look that up. Uh, Northwestern's formerly interim, now official head coach, David Braun. Um, Boys, this is just what a shocking season for Northwestern. Um, we'll just mention their games as we're talking about him in the news really quick. They beat looks Purdue like, 23. Looks like Alex hopped on the bad wagon one season too soon for Northwestern. Because if you would have, Alex, if you would have been like Northwestern's making a bowl game at the beginning of this season, you would be just absolutely berating me and Corey right now. But, sorry, bud. But I'm not. I managed to plant my flag on Northwestern when they won a total of zero games in the continental United States. But on Saturday, 
they became bowl eligible after one of the most chaotic off seasons, firing their coach like a month and a half before the season started. And David Braun has come in there and made them bowl eligible when nobody thought they'd win two games. Just what an impressive job by him. What an impressive job by the players. I think they definitely played with a back against the wall mentality and a little bit of an underdog edge this season. Uh, but way to go for them. So they beat Purdue 23 to 15 on Saturday to make it to six and five. And we will get to watch the Wildcats in a bowl game this season. Incredible. And like Ethan said, we're going to do picks and everything in this episode. So if we move quickly, that's why. Um, let's go to a game involving one of the Big East contenders, uh, Big Ten East contenders, Michigan. They struggled against Maryland this week. They end up getting the win 31-24. to It was a very strange game, though they had a blocked punt for a safety. They had a defensive touchdown. J.J. McCarthy threw a red zone interception, but then in the most predictable fashion, Talia Tagovailoa ended up through turning the ball over three total times to basically give the game back to Michigan. Uh, weird game. Typical trap game coming off of a huge win against Penn State the week before Ohio State. And I've listened to some of the more national college football podcasts and, and personalities. There are a lot of people who are very concerned about J.J. McCarthy, kind of framing this narrative of like, oh, Michigan didn't let him throw the ball in the second half against Penn State, and then he played bad against Maryland. Like, you know, is J.J. super mid, and, and we just don't know about it, but the coaches do. Um, are you are you guys buying into that narrative? Do you think something's going on with J.J., or do, do you think he's going to be fine? Uh, so I think we saw a very similar game last season. That was at home. Michigan played Illinois the week before the Ohio State game at home and needed a walk-off field goal that won them the game by two points. If Jake Moody would have missed that field goal, they would have lost to Illinois in that game. So <clears throat> the week before the game, Michigan typically just does not play well. Um, no excuse for J.J. McCarthy in the way that he played. He did not play well. Uh, no excuse for the team as a whole. I think defensively, there were a couple of drives where it felt like they just didn't have it together. They were running zone coverages a lot when it felt like the switch to man was a pretty easy switch to make. And I was kind of like, why isn't Jesse Minter switching to man coverage? But he didn't, and they stayed in zone, and they kept getting beaten zone. But it was just weird. and. Felt like one of those games where you're like, just win. Just win the game and get out of there. And they did. Um, and just like last year, one of your huge weapons, uh, Roman Wilson, and last year you had Blake Corum go down in the game before the Ohio State game, and the offense never looked the same. Roman Wilson went out of this game in the first quarter. Michigan's offense never looked the same. It was like every time J.J. McCarthy dropped back to pass, it was like he was still looking for Roman Wilson, even though he was on the sideline and obviously was not going to find him out on the field. Um, we know now that Roman Wilson, along with both Henderson and Hinton for Michigan, will be back in the game this Saturday. So that's good news. I'm not buying into that narrative. We've seen too much of what J.J. can do in big games, including the Ohio State game last year. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying into that narrative, and I think that they will be just fine. Uh, there was also talk of J.J. being hurt as well, an ankle injury of some sort, uh, aggravated it in the Penn State game, uh, still was limping around a little bit in warm-ups, but obviously played in the Maryland game. Uh, he, in the week week, I guess, Monday presser said, you know, I feel much better than I've had, you know, ready to go, all that stuff. So it seems like everybody's operating on, you know, all cylinders as far as health goes, uh, because Roman Wilson was kind of kept out of the game as a precaution. Uh, but to say I would be 
a little bit concerned? Yes. I mean, when your team doesn't play well, you are going to be concerned. I don't care that last year that they didn't play well before the Ohio State game. Uh, they didn't play well against Maryland, uh, and it showed in some instances. They got burned in zone, uh, and tempo uh, seemed to be a, a problem for them uh, every so often. Maybe not the entirety of the game, but uh, Maryland did a really good job of of changing up their tempo, which it took a while for Michigan to adapt to that. Um, and then that would explain some of the the lapses in coverage as well. Cause I think Will Johnson got burned on a, on a pretty deep pass as well. So that's not characteristic of him either. I said it last week, the interior defensive linemen took over when they needed to. They, they leaned on those guys heavily in the fourth quarter. And it seemed like, Four or five series in a row, they came up with a big play. Kenneth Grant, the defensive tackle for Michigan, is now tenth in the Heisman Trophy odds after that week. He should be. I mean, he had a great. That's game a against that's Penn. a real that's a real sentence. He had a great game against Penn State, and then he was all over the field in this game against Maryland as well. I, you would have to think. I, I, Tagaviola has his injury problems, but the the injury turnover problems. Excuse me. But those have to be forced somehow. And it was because of those interior linemen on Michigan's defensive front. If they need to need to apply that same pressure that they did in the Maryland game uh, for this weekend's game as well. I will say this. This is now two years in a row where Maryland has put up a lot of points comparatively against Michigan. I think uh, they showed a graphic. It was Ohio State who had scored 23 points against them. And then Maryland was on this list twice uh, from uh, the game at home and then this year's game as well for scoring the most points on Michigan's defense over the past two seasons. So some teams just have difficulty uh, with other teams, and Maryland might be one of those teams for Michigan. Yep, I'm also not buying the J.J. McCarthy concerns. There were concerns about the passing game last year, and then against Ohio State, he threw three 40-plus yard touchdown passes on the road in the horseshoe in his first start there to win the game. So, no, I am not concerned about J.J. McCarthy. I do not think there's a reason to be concerned about J.J. McCarthy. So, speaking of his performance against the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes took care of business. There was no trap set for them in – Wait, was this in Minneapolis? Either way, the boat didn't catch them. Ohio State beats Minnesota 37-3. And Ohio State, you know, I'm not going to lie. Early on in the year, I was very, very, very concerned about them. They're peaking at the right time. McCord threw for over 200 yards, two touchdowns. Travion Henderson, since he's come back healthy, he's been an absolute difference maker for this team. Travion Henderson, you hit it right on the... You hit the nail right on the head. He has been a revelation for this team. Last year, it looked like when he was playing, it was like, is this guy even a lead back? You know, what is going on? He looks like the Travion Henderson of old, and he looks like an absolute difference maker. That dude is the linchpin to that offense. I know they have Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best player in college football. But you have to have a quarterback throw him the football in order to get him the ball. You can turn around and just hand the ball to Travion Henderson as many times as you want. I, I I honestly believe that he is going to be the guy to watch in the matchup coming up this weekend between Michigan and Ohio State. He has played phenomenal, and Michigan has got a big, big problem on their hands in Travion Henderson. I had some scouts at the horseshoe this weekend. Not really, but that's illegal. That's illegal. <laughs> Not really. Uh, my roommate went with his girlfriend. Uh, she's a Buckeye. It's a sore subject. Don't really want to talk about it. However, uh, they talked about McCord and I don't want to be like, Oh, we're not worried about JJ throwing interceptions and uh, McCord looking like, you know, he could have gotten picked off a couple times this game, according to them. And according to an Ohio state fan, and then a uh, conscientious objector in the stands. There was at least two or three passes that should have been picked off uh, by McCord, according to them. Uh, that's a trend that we've seen. He hasn't been he hasn't been burned by it quite yet. Um, so 
there's questions from the media and outside sources and fans alike from the, the quarterbacks coming into this game. However, I'm going to take the guy who proved it last year than the guy who hasn't had a chance to do it quite yet. So, And, and the guy who's at home. This is fair. Yeah, just to, I mean, not to gas up Travion Henderson too much, but since he's come back against Wisconsin, these are his rushing yardage totals in these games. 162, 128, 63, and 146. In that same amount of time, these are his receiving yardage totals. 45, 80, 14, and 26. He is is doing it every which way he can do it. I'm telling you, that man is a beast. Um, And to hit on what Corey said, Corey, you brought up a point that I was going to bring up when we started breaking down this game between Michigan and Ohio State was the expected pro football focus expected turnovers for Kyle McCord this season. He has the largest differential of any power five starting quarterback between expected turnovers and actual turnovers. In a, in a positive way, you mean? Like he turns it over way less than they expect? He turns it over way less than he should, according to the passes that he throws. I didn't know this was an actual like stat that PFF had. No, that's, that makes yes. a lot of sense. That's Yeah, yeah, expected turnovers. He is lit- – I'm not making this up. You can go look at it yourself. Pro football focus. He is power five college quarterbacks. He has the highest expected turnover differential of any of the power five quarterbacks because he gets away with a lot of really bad passes. That's what that means. I don't know if it's the defenses that they've been playing or what. He didn't turn the ball over against Penn State, correct? I don't believe so, no. But he did against Notre Dame. Yes. Those are the two best defenses that he has played so far. Um, but yeah, he he has the highest differential. I I I, I want to say when I looked, I th- I I'm not even kidding. I think it's 5.2 turnovers. He should have 5.2 more turnovers than he actually has. More interceptions than he actually has. So you're saying when is the shoe going to drop? Is what you're I am saying that. I'm well. I'm asking that question. When is that shoe going to drop? He didn't turn it over against either Notre Dame or Penn State. I just looked up the box scores. He didn't have an interception or a fumble against either of those teams. Doesn't he have only his one number? Um, sorry, real quick for what Corey was saying. His number went up by one point five against Minnesota. And and Michigan, they've got what three three pick sixes in their belt this year, or maybe just two. Mike Sainer still and Will Johnson. Will Johnson has another. He has like two picks, I think. Sainer still just had one against Talia. Um, I wonder where have, Michigan ranks in terms of pass defense. They have ball hawking corners for sure. I'm but you're also up. you're also going up against the best wide receivers that you've played against, and that probably plays a role. Honestly, it probably plays a role that the that the offensive players that he is throwing the ball to when they're really, really bad passes and should get intercepted. Maybe the defender isn't paying as close of attention to the ball as they are to the player, which could definitely be a part of it. And it could just be one of those numbers that doesn't really mean anything. But it's just something to look at. If that number is going to mean anything. It's going to mean something this weekend. For what it's worth, Michigan is sixth in the country in interceptions. They have 14, and four of them have been returned for touchdowns. But we can save the rest of this breakdown for when we get into the picks. So Ohio State does not have trouble with Minnesota. Um, They keep things rolling right into the game. Okay, what else happened this weekend? Let's look at Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. Okay, let's look at Iowa. Of course, the one week I trust them, to actually cover after they've done it like two weeks in a row, they win by two when it was the spread was three. Absolutely ridiculous. You should have seen these guys celebrating this game for Brian Ferentz. It was his last game coaching in Kinnick Stadium. Um, so 
the the team was rallying around him at the end. I couldn't tell if they were cheering because it was his last game or because it was his last game. If you know what I mean, I don't. I don't know if they were happy about it being his last game or or what. I don't know how you could not because that was one of their better offensive performances of the year, and they scored fourteen offensive points. And. As if the Steelers and the Hawkeyes couldn't be any more similar, the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator this morning. Like, I, I think there's a glitch in the matrix here with Iowa and, and the Steelers. But they beat Illinois 15-13. Uh, to 13. They clinched their spot in the Big Ten title game. Have they booked a one-way ticket to another Big Ten championship game loss? Yes. Yeah, probably. They're gonna be they're gonna be two touchdown underdogs at minimum against either Michigan or Ohio State. Two touchdowns minimum. Because they won't score. They won't score. See, here's the here's the thing about Iowa. We talked about Penn State last year about being the team that is the resume booster, right? And the team that beats the teams they need to beat and then just does not compete against teams that they shouldn't. Iowa is like Penn State West, but worse. In that like they'll kind of control the pace of play against teams that are worse than them or teams at their level and they'll like force you in this vacuum. But then you get to we saw it. We saw it when Iowa went and traveled to Happy Valley and they looked like a a division three school. At Happy Valley, it was a whiteout, sure, but to score zero offensive points—that's pretty bad. So, I, I mean, kudos to Iowa for beating the teams that you should. And if you beat teams that you should, you get rewarded for it. Uh, but I don't think anyone's really taking them seriously as far as like a powerhouse goes. Are you telling me that Ohio State and Michigan shouldn't be worried about Deacon Hill? Now, Deacon Hill had a great game. This game, 150 passing yards and touchdown. No interceptions. 150 passing yards. And it was the man's best game of the year, probably. Not probably. I said it was one of their best offensive performances. Holy vey. All the Iowa fans I, are so mad. Guy, Iowa, I love you. I really do. I Corey you, does, actually. I picked you at the beginning of the year, to, and I knew you were going to make it. Did I know how Corey you were going to make it? I actually love you. Did I know how you were going to make it? No. Did I know you were going to make it? Yeah. And you did. So congratulations. I Okay. Remember when I said earlier this year that the Big Ten West winner has to win at least 10 games? It has to be 10-2 and two and be competitive? This is not what I had in mind. Okay. Well, and but, 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 we will get to this in the picks. We'll, we'll talk about it more in the picks because Nebraska is actually favored in that game. One one more thought. We are literally one blown ref call away for Iowa seriously being considered <laughs> to be in the college football playoff. Wrong. Wrong. No, I, I'm listen, hear me out. Hear me out. They win that game, they have one loss, and then they go into the Big Ten championship with a stab at Michigan or Ohio State. You're going to tell me if they somehow figure out how to put them in a vacuum or Michigan and Ohio State plays terribly and they win that game? When you say they have a stab at the college football yeah. playoff, it's like if my grandmother went axe throwing blindfolded. That's the kind of stab that right. they have. I was going to say, it'd be like me trying to shoot a twenty-two at a target that's a mile away. One but... fair catch away. Shouldn't, shouldn't have waved his arms around so much. Keep him, keep him down by your side. Uh, also, Cooper Deshane, uh thoughts and prayers out to you because uh, broke his foot, I believe, and he's out for the year. So that's a bummer. He's an idol. They should build him a statue in uh, in Iowa. Okay, uh, Michigan State boys. I called this one. I called this upset or this upset over. In- <laughs> I don't know what word that was. It wasn't the word upset, but they beat Indiana. For can anyone say what trophy they played for in this game? The golden platoon. Eh. It's the old brass platoon. Wrong metal, Corey. Wrong metal. Oh, shoot. 
and now Michigan State is four and seven, and they get to they get to play one more game this year, one more game, and that's it. Unless they unless they get lucky and get another bowl invite as a five win team, that that could happen. There's actually there's actually a path for that to happen, oh, especially brother. if they beat Penn State. Oh, brother, please don't. Because they would have, of the five-win teams, they would have the best win. Please don't put anyone through that. Don't make anyone watch them again. Please don't. Wisconsin, Nebraska. Wisconsin wins 24-17. to And they have Tanner Mordecai back. They have Braylon Allen back. It feels like they got a little bit of mojo back in this game. But I think the biggest takeaway is... When these two teams play each other, Wisconsin and Nebraska, one of them needs to wear an alternate, like, black jersey. This is the worst uniform matchup to watch in the entire country. Like, they they have the exact same uniforms, just inverse colors. It is just an absolute eyesore to watch them play football against each other. And then last game, Penn State defeats Rutgers. Drew Aller got hurt in this one. Something to keep an eye on when we uh, when we go into the picks. He left the game, but they handled Rutgers tw- twenty seven to six. His backup uh, came in and only threw the ball one time and completed the pass, but used his legs a lot. Had eight carries for seventy one yards and a touchdown. And Katron Allen uh, further cements himself as the RB one in this offense. Sixteen carries for sixty nine yards. Nice and two touchdowns and Singleton had a good game as well. He had 61 yards, no tutties though. And Penn state takes care of business against Rutgers football, who I now hate because Shiano's a big tattletale. Cause he got butt hurt. He can't beat Michigan. Okay. That was week 12. It is time to go into week 13, which I mean, I guess we could have predicted it at the beginning of the year. We get to pick the big 10 championship game this week, which is pretty fun. Ethan, you typically do the picks. Why don't you take it away, my friend? All right, ladies and gents, we are going to save the best for last. So let's start off with the Friday games. I'm going to start you off with is one. the best is the best Indiana Purdue. How did you know? For all the sum of the marbles. <laughs> Actually, the best is Maryland Rutgers because it's only a one point spread. So how about you stop trying to spoil everything? It's sorry. All right, first game up, we've got Iowa traveling to Nebraska to close out the season. The We're picking it again, boys, because we just under. have to. Under. The over under, under in this game I don't, don't is tell me. 26 and a half. Under. We're starting apparently with Corey. Under. He's goes, he goes under, Alex. I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the over. <gasps> I think, I think, I think, well, we'll get into it more once we pick the game. Actually, I'll just roll straight into my pick. I think Nebraska finds a way to score 17 points in this game and wins. Do they cover a two and a half point spread? Ugh, I don't know. Final score is going to be fourteen to seventeen or fifteen to seventeen. Da, 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 da. I'll take Nebraska minus two and a half. <laughs> that is the grossest thing I've heard in a long time. Oh my god, <laughs> disgusting. Okay. We need to move this along. I am taking Iowa plus the points. Uh, Nebraska has been on the verge of bowl eligibility for three weeks now, and they have lost three straight games by, you guessed it, one score. This is just the curse of this football team. I don't know what it is about these players. There is a hex that has been put on them. They just cannot do it. So as badly as I'm sure they want to go to a bowl game, I think they've been beaten down these last few weeks. I do think Iowa wins, so I will definitely obviously take two and a half points to go along with it. I think this is going to be a relatively exciting game to watch just because if you're 
a Big Ten fan. You're the only person who has that opinion. I, you know what? I, you just said exciting. Which I said is so, relatively. Is so I said relatively. Okay. But uh, Nebraska, I believe, is on their third string quarterback now. Brock Purdy's little brother was playing the majority of the Wisconsin game. If that's the case, points are going to come at a premium, and it's going to be a classic Big Ten West showdown to end this thing. I'm picking Iowa. I they can't complete a forward pass in Nebraska right now. They really need to figure out what quarterback they need to get in the transfer portal or what guy that they can recruit and say, hey, please, just complete a curl route consistently. Penn State traveling to Michigan State, also a Friday game. Friday night game at Ford Field. Michigan State catching 21 and a half. I work, I work for Ford. I work for Ford. Okay. That game's at Ford Field? That game is at Ford Field. You want to go? We're going to go. Nope. Why? Uh, Alex, we go to you first. I'm not going to lie, Corey. I was considering going to this game. Uh, I'd go with you. It's at 730. It's it's saying on ESPN that tickets are as low as $22. It's going to be a last-minute decision for me if I come because I've got family stuff that day and obviously Thanksgiving. So we'll – We'll see, but I will definitely think about it. Uh, did we say minus 21 for Penn State? Is that the number? If you both go, I will try. Okay, is it is it minus 21? Is that what we're picking? It is minus 21. Okay. Penn State minus 21. Um, uh, I wish I knew if Drew Aller was healthy. I just feel that this game has weird vibes. It's a short week. It's a night game in an NFL stadium. Um. If Penn State is using their backup quarterback, they're going to run, 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 run the entire time, which will just drain a bunch of clock. Uh, so I I am going to take Michigan State plus 21 just because this seems like a very strange game. I agree with you. This is just one of those spots where it feels like, hmm, I, I just feel led to take the points. Michigan State's been playing a little bit better recently. I'm going to trust that that continues. Close game at halftime. They don't get blown out. They end up covering the 21. Corey, over to you. I have zero confidence in this pick whatsoever. I really, really want to take Penn State. You might be swaying me. Um... Penn State will also probably have zero people there. Like, it's it's the day after Thanksgiving, and it's at Fort Field. I highly doubt there will be a lot of Penn State fans there. Yeah, I highly doubt there will be a lot of fans there. And <laughs> it's going to be the three of us Jamokes there because we're a bunch of sickos. Uh, I'm going to make a shirt that's uh, that has the block M on it and say, we beat both these teams and then just have the final score of both of those games. Uh, my shirt, my shirt is going to say official Michigan sign stealer. You know what? I, I've come to a revelation. I don't think I've picked Michigan State to cover a spread outside of like the non-con. I don't think I've picked them. So let's do it. Let's ride. Let's ride boys. All right. You got a super lock folks. 21 Michigan state plus 21 super lock. I love it. We all love it. Let's go. All right. Well, I didn't say Saturday. That's that's okay. Mistaken. Well, shut your mouth. We make the decision for you. Corey doesn't love that one, but, Nebraska Iowa is going to be an exciting game, guys. Shut up. Indiana traveling to Purdue. It's rivalry week, folks. These two schools hate each other, except in football. They only care about basketball. Um, Indiana traveling to Purdue. Purdue minus three. I'll take this one first. I think in a rivalry game, Purdue has just been the better team so far this year. Indiana showed their true colors last week, losing to Michigan State. I think the trend continues. I will take Purdue minus the points over to senior Corey. Purdue wins by 14 or more. Purdue, lock it in. I am also going to take Purdue. The one thing Purdue can do extremely well is rush the passer. They get to the quarterback. So give me the team at home in a rivalry game that is going to, uh, well, get sacks. Give me Purdue minus three. Yeah, let's have some sacks, Purdue. This is a right. this is a family friendly show. Sack time! It's sack time. All right, 
Northwestern traveling to Illinois. Illinois minus five and a half. The devil's number at home. Alex, we start with Corey. Corey, what is your pick? This is so gross. Illinois needs this game to be bowl eligible. And Northwestern has basically everything that they could have wanted from this season and more. Goodness. This isn't a rivalry game. This is just a random end of the year sort of thing, correct? Or is it? No, it kind of is because they're both in Illinois. So they've got to be playing for some sort of trophy. Gross. I asked you to pick the game, not analyze it. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm thinking. uh, Give me Illinois. Just Corey, if you want to go to this one, it says tickets are as low as three dollars. Oh, but I'm in Michigan and not in Illinois, so I'm not going to go. Sorry. Uh, give me, give me Illinois to finally do something positive for once in their life, and they get to go bowling because of it. Uh, I also can't go to that game. Uh, I'm planning on uh, buying a fruit roll up that day, so my three dollars will be spent at that point. Yo, that's an expensive fruit roll up. Yeah, three dollars. You're, you're, who's your fruit roll up guy? <laughs> you need a new fruit roll up guy. I can I can hook you up. Stay stay on after the pod. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Northwestern plus the five and a half in this game. Um, this just feels like one of those situations where it comes down to like a last second field goal or something like that. These teams are very evenly matched. Northwestern has shown that they can play really good defense. Um, I trust them to keep it within a score. So I will take Northwestern plus the points. All right. We teased this one earlier. I, I, I guess I guess I don't get to pick games anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. You lost your right. I, I honestly thought you already had because you were talking with him. Go ahead. Uh, I'll also take Northwestern because um, I don't know. I'll take Northwestern. I'm an island boy. Island boy. <clears throat> when we listen back to this, I'm going to check and see because I'm pretty sure you said I'm taking Illinois too, but we'll see. Anyways, Maryland traveling to Rutgers, Rutgers plus one. Alex, we go to you first. Uh, This one is really, really tough because both of these quarterbacks just love giving the football to the other team. Hard to trust either one of these guys with the football in their hands in a close game. I think I'm going to go... Maryland really played um, above their usual level against Michigan, whereas Rutgers kind of got their brains kicked in a little bit against Iowa. I think Rutgers will bounce back, and Maryland will come back down to earth. Rutgers also seems to be the team of these two with more of an identity. Like they know what they want to be and what they want to do. Maryland, they just kind of want to be the Talia show. And I don't necessarily says, nope. (sighs) Oh, that was, they don't necessarily, I don't think that's the best idea for them. I don't know why, what just happened there, boys. (laughs) And with that, Corey, we go to you. Hmm. I really, Words. I really, 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 really want to pick Rutgers, but I just don't think I can. Um, I'm Why? Gonna, it's just a point. Yeah, it's just a point, but it's basically just it's basically a pick 'em. Um, it it's basically a pick 'em. I'm st- I'm st- Rutgers has to for them to take the next step. They have to develop a pass game, which they still do not have. Wimsat, I like him as a player. I like him as an athlete. He just does not have the development of his pass game in. And Maryland is at least somewhat two-dimensional. Give me Maryland. I feel gross. I feel sick. I'm going to regret it. This is rearing up for my worst week ever. Maryland just played their Super Bowl against Michigan, fell flat on their face, lost the game. They have to go on the road to Rutgers. Not a single one of these players wants to get on that bus, plane, whatever it is taking them there. Not that far of a trip, but they don't want to go. Two days after Thanksgiving, they're all going to be fat and sassy. I think Rutgers wins this game outright. Give me Rutgers. Super duper. All right. Wisconsin traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota catching two and a half. 
I will go first on this one. <clears throat> I really think that this is just one of those games where I don't know. Like, truly, I, I just don't. Bad plus bad equals bad. So, I, I'm going to take the team that's getting the points at home and just pray, I suppose. So, I guess give me Minnesota plus the two and a half. I feel gross about it. Corey, tell the people something knowledgeable. <laughs> you want me to tell them something knowledgeable in the Wisconsin Minnesota battle? Oh, I didn't say I didn't say it had to do anything with that. Like just you know, sound advice. Like you know, invest your money. Or oh, something. um, there's a special uh, number at the bottom of your sports book uh, that tells you to call if you need some help. And if you're betting this game this weekend, you need some help. So call that number. Uh, and you do if you call you them go. if you call them they give you they give you picks that's what the number is for <laughs> you just call them up and be like yo what's the parlay we're hitting tonight <laughs> you call them up i i, yo, I have a problem yeah ruckers money line bro <laughs> give me the give me them lots you call you call what if like you could call them once a year and they give you a bona fide lock and it's like, all right, this is going to hit. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, this is PJ Fleck's job, right? It has to be. If he loses this game, he's fired, right? Because then there's no bowl game for Minnesota, and that seems to be the, the thing that keeps him going. Uh, <sighs> give me Minnesota. Uh, I believe Ethan picked Minnesota. If I was paying close enough attention, yes, you did. Uh, this is going to be a super sloppy, super sloppy lock. Uh, I'm going with Minnesota. They've won the last two. Seems like PJ Fleck and the boys they just they get up for this rivalry game. Um, so they're getting points at home, and they've they're coming off two straight wins. And Wisconsin, yeah, they had a bit of a bounce back game against Nebraska, but I don't know how much to trust it. So I'll take Minnesota plus two and a half. All right, now. We get to the game. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ohio State Buckeyes traveling to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor for a metallic showdown. Two titans will clash together. One will remain victorious, undefeated, and champions of the Big Ten East. Michigan, minus three. Alex, what say you? And if you, if you didn't know, that was our guest star, James Earl Jones, hopping on the podcast to announce the game. Uh, boys, this is electric. I don't know if I told either of you yet. I will be at this game. Uh, some family who has season tickets scored an extra one or they didn't score an extra one, but they have an extra one and I will be in attendance. I'm absolutely psyched. Michigan minus three boy. This started out at Michigan minus five and a half. And I was very prepared to take Ohio state uh, plus five and a half. Cause I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, Ohio State is playing their best football of the year right now. Uh, basically, my battle internally right now is like I would hate to pick Ohio State to cover and then be in the stadium and Michigan be up by a certain amount and be like, oh, wait, like, hold, hold on. No, don't score right now. Um, oh, God, this is, can someone else go first, please? No. Are you Oh, Michigan minus 3. Uh they do get Roman Wilson back and Ladarius Henderson at left tackle. I'm going Michigan minus 3, boys. I've said it consistently this year. Ohio State is an elite team, but in situational football in the red zone, short yardage situations, I just don't trust them enough and they're going on the road. Oh, let's go blue, baby. Michigan minus three. Corey Spersina, we go to you. What's your pick for the game? Game, game, 
Where's the coin? I'm just kidding. Never, never going back. I'm off the sauce. Uh, I will also be at this game, which I'm very excited for. It's our family game. We usually go to one as as a family per year, and this is the one that happens to be at. You guys don't care about that, though. You care about the picks. I want so bad to not bet Michigan. I want to so bad, just for my heart's sake, because it's like I'm ready to be hurt. And the whole season I was pretty – up until, like, the Harbaugh stuff and watching, like, watching the effects of that, I was like, I feel oddly confident going into the Ohio State game. And do I emotionally hedge myself is the real thing? Or am I waiting for the shoe to drop for Kyle McCord and his uh, projected uh, turnover numbers to finally get closer to his actual turnover numbers? It's going to come down to who's tougher. Who's tougher at the end of the day? Ask Lou Holtz. Ask Ask Lou Holtz. Yeah, Lou Holtz is calling up Ryan Day's private investigation firm and trying to get some information. Um, Michigan, don't do this to me. I need I need one more win out of you. I need one more one more win out of you, and I'll be satisfied. Give me Michigan minus three. I'm hanging on for dear life, and I'm going to lose 10 pounds at this game. Bangarang Rufio, the super lock of the century. Ladies and gentlemen, lock it in, lock it loaded. Michigan minus three. I'm going to give you a little bit of Vegas analysis. Are you ready? Here it goes. There is 72% of the bets being placed on Ohio State plus the points. There is 62% of the bets being placed Ohio State money line. There is, wait for it, 66% of the money being placed on this game is on Ohio State. It is going to be the most bet game of the year. Guess what Vegas doesn't do? Lose. Those lights stay on for a reason. People are falling into the same trap that they did last year. Oh, Ohio State's way better team. Ohio State, Ohio State this, Ohio State that. You're falling into it. You're falling into the trap. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Michigan wins this game by more than a touchdown. Give me Michigan minus three. Let's get this party started, baby. J.J. McCarthy, he needs to have a controlled game. He needs to control tempo and pace and not be so sporadic in the pocket. Keep his feet underneath him. Michigan has to win the turnover battle. And for 21 straight times, the team that rushes for more yards wins this game. That will come to 22. Michigan at home, I trust the run game more. If this was on the road in Columbus, I'd be a heck of a lot more scared than I am. I think being in the big house is a big deal this year. Michigan gets the dub. To add on to your point about the run game, Ohio State's got an elite defense. There's no doubt about that. JJ's legs are going to have to be a factor. And they were last year on the road. He had a touchdown run. He had a very critical first round, first down run. I believe it was that first drive of the second half when they ended up throwing that touchdown to Colston Loveland. JJ's legs could be the difference here. And I think I think for me it does just come down to situational football. I don't I don't know if I can trust Kyle McCord yet in big moment in big moments. I do know that about JJ McCarthy, at least in this game. Um yeah, I think Ohio State and I also here's something I was thinking about today too. I think Ryan Day could potentially get a little bit insecure in his play calling with trying to embody this identity of toughness and, you know, we can ground and pound just as good as you guys. And I think that might force him to call plays out of wanting to be that team when they're not necessarily that team all the time. And I think that may cost them in a few very critical downs. Really quick. 
Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be bracket covered for the entirety of this game. High-low defenders on him all day. He probably will still get the ball a few times in some big situations. He's just that good. That has to be kept to a minimum. And for Ohio State, if you're looking at this from an Ohio State perspective, Kyle McCord cannot turn the football over. Cannot turn the ball over. He has to stay within himself. He has to know when to throw the ball away. And if he can do that, Ohio State does have a legitimate chance to win this game, uh, especially like you guys touched on with the defense that Ohio State does have better for sure than the last two years that they've played against Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the final regular season edition of the picks. That's it. The next is going to be for Big Ten Championship game next week. I thought I thought this was the Big Ten Championship game. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you're right. Burn! Are we getting any bonus picks? Yes, we are. We'll get to that. Yeah, we can right. do them real quick because we're pushing an hour here. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're still with us, thanks. If you're, if you're still with us, bonus picks. We're going to oh. go. We're going to go super. This is lightning round, okay? If I call you, you can give a two second synopsis and your pick. All right, I'm, here we go. I'm great at lightning rounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Your wife listens to this podcast, so she would know. All right. Oregon State. Traveling to Oregon, Oregon, minus 13 and a half. Alex, we go to you first. Oregon, Bo Nix for Heisman. Corey. Oregon State plays spoiler, covers this game, keeps it close. I agree with Alex. I think Oregon bulldozes this team. Oregon, minus 13 and a half. They are on a mission to get themselves to the college football playoff. All right, next game. A big game. It's always a big game. The spread doesn't make any sense, but it's a rivalry game, so we're picking it. Alabama traveling to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Auburn catching 14 and a half in this game. I, I, I just can't make sense of that number other than the fact that it's a rivalry game. Alabama is hell-bent on trying to get themselves into the playoff. I, I'm going to say a little bit of a look-ahead spot here for the for the SEC championship game, I'm going to take Auburn to cover. Corey, what say you? <clears throat> Roll, dang, tied. They win. Alex. They win by 17. Alabama covers. Auburn just got blown out by New Mexico State, and I don't think they bounce back against a less superior team. That is not Alabama. Alabama covers. Okay. Last game on the docket, we got Florida State traveling to Florida. We already talked about this. Florida catching six and a half in this game. I, I think it's a trappy number. I think it's a really trappy number. I think they're trying to be get you to be like, oh, well, Florida uh, Florida State doesn't have their quarterback, and I, I get six and a half. No, mm-mm. I'm not falling for it. Give me Florida State minus the six and a half. Alex, what say you? I hate that I'm taking all the favorites and the bonus picks, but the rest of Florida State's roster is so freaking good. Give me Florida State. Florida State's backup quarterback is actually pretty experienced. I believe he's a junior, and he's been learning under Travis for quite some time. Uh, I'll take Florida State. They're on a mission to get into the college football playoff as well. Ladies and gentlemen, there are your bonus picks. We appreciate you so much for listening. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy all the great college and pro football action we've got going on. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We are thankful for you. That was a Thanksgiving end of the season, end of the regular season edition of Big Banter. We love you. Peace.